God is great. And how he operates with his people is great. Not coming from a tradition of worship where Ash Wednesday was something we celebrated on a regular basis or thought about much, actually. I kind of did the research on it and kind of tried to figure out where I fit within it and what what was right and what I should what I should bring and and what I love about the idea is the intentionality behind the idea of repentance and the idea of 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 sin sin is not something we talk about much anymore because in our world we don't like to confront right and wrong in fact in our world and in our culture we are uh, trying to break down the barrier between what is right and wrong as much as possible. And, and now today, the idea of choose your own adventure, whatever works for you, uh, whatever is your idea of right and wrong, seems to be uh, what is right. The scripture describes a time like this. My grandparents used to say to me uh, that, that, you know, the world has never been this way before, and it's never happened like this before. And, and in fact, it, they were incorrect in that. It has happened. The scripture talks about a time where everyone did that which was right in their own eyes. They, they did what was right in their own eyes, and that was okay for everyone. And everybody judged things based upon what was good for you. You do what's good for you, and that's okay. And and then God said, no, that's not the way that it needs to be. There is a right and there is a wrong, and I am holy and just and, and righteous, and so here I am, and, and let, me, let me show you how to be like me. And so humanity began to try to be like God, and, and God called out Abraham, and, and he said, uh, he, he said, I'm going to make you a special person. I'm going to make you a special people. I'm going to pull something out of you that's unique and, and, and special. And I'll, I'm taking a, a pause here for a second just to say to all the parents in the room, we know your children are in here. We're happy that your children are in here. So if your children start making a little bit of noise or something like that, don't worry about it. We want them in here. And we understand what it means to be a parent. I've got two, and if my 18-year-old starts making noise, I'm going to kick him right out of this room. The, uh, and so, don't, actually, I won't. He's running the lights. I won't kick him out. But uh, we'll have a serious talk after church. So my, just, my point is just to, just to relax. So in all of this, in, in all of this, God made Abraham something unique, and he began to speak with Abraham and, and talk to him about what it meant to be a, a man of God. And so Abraham didn't walk like everybody else. Abraham didn't talk like everybody else. Abraham didn't do what everyone else did because, well, because God had called him and God had made him something special and something unique and, 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 and God began to develop Abraham and he had Isaac and then, and Jacob and then, then, uh, and, and then Jacob had, I'm sorry, he had Isaac and then Isaac had Jacob and Esau and, and God began to continue to work and then Jacob had 12 sons and we know them as the 12 tribes eventually of Israel and then those 12 tribes we know went into Egypt and then came out and we have this whole story of this special people and these, this special group of folks that God, God chose and God took out of what everyone else was doing. And He made these, this group of people like no one else on earth. He did something completely unique with them. And all throughout the Old Testament, we find God working with humanity. 
And this whole time, God is trying to teach humanity how to be more like Him. In the Old Testament, you have Moses who comes out of Egypt and he leads the children of Israel out of Egypt. And if the folks in the back, you're trying to figure out where I'm at, I'm nowhere anywhere close to what I had prepared. This is just relax. Okay, good. Uh, uh, God led them out of Egypt and, and Moses is, is leading them and, and Moses says, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. I don't know why, what am I, how, where do I even start in all of this? And, and God says, I tell you what, I'm going to separate you from everybody else. I want you to go up onto this mountain and while you're there, I'm going to talk to you and, and I'm going to teach you something that, that is going to be separate from anyone else and, and separate from everyone else. And then as, as I teach this to you, I want you to bring that down the mountain and I want you to share my law with the rest of the people of Israel. The, the purpose of the law was not to condemn Israel, but it was to reveal in Israel what was wrong so that they could do what was right. When my little kids, when my kids were small, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't, uh, put down the hammer on them as it were, uh, because I, I just enjoyed causing them pain or frustration or anger. I didn't enjoy telling them no just because, wow, I can tell them no and I have the, I have the power to do it. I, that wasn't the goal. The goal was I wanted to teach them how to be better. I wanted to teach them how to be good. I wanted to teach them how to live right. I wanted to teach them how to be good people in society one day. And that's what God was doing with with Israel. He said, you're going to be unique. But every single time Israel tried to do what God wanted them to do, they failed. They they tried to live up to the commandments and and they couldn't. They tried to do what God said, but it, it didn't work. Because he said things like, honor your father and your mother. And sometimes that was just really hard to do. He said things like, love others. And there's times when loving others is not an easy thing. He, he said, thou shalt not kill, but there were times when they wanted to. He, he, gave, them, he they gave them these commandments, these laws, and he said, don't do these things. He said, don't lust after what other people have. I was sitting at a stoplight one time in Chicago driving my, I don't know what year, Nissan Sentra. And in front of me, I was feeling pretty good about myself until up next to me drove a brand new Lamborghini. I thought my pipes were nice until. And then he went on and I, it said Sosa 1 on the license plate. I guess Sammy was driving around. I don't know. And for a split second, I thought, I want a car like that. There's nothing wrong with wanting that car or a car like that. There's a problem with wanting that car. God said, I don't want you to lust after what other people have. I don't want you to, I don't want you to operate like other people do. And so, and so therefore, I want you to find peace in who you are and what you are and who I've made you. Sin oftentimes isn't an issue of God just saying, I want to limit you. He's saying, I want you to be satisfied in who I've made you and how I've made you and what I've given you in, my, in your life. But 
humanity couldn't do it. And so God said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to, instead of just giving you these laws, I'm also going to give you these sacrifices. And if you will make these sacrifices, I'm not going to charge you with the sin that you're responsible for. Instead, what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to, I'm going to take the payment for your sin and I'm going to roll it on ahead. And if you're reading in the Divine Mentor series reading and, and, and what we're doing as a church, and you, you might get into some of the Levitical laws where every year someone would brought, bring a sin offering and a, and a guilt offering, and all these offerings are being offered. And, and if, you, if you sin in this manner, you bring this gift or, and, and so on. And all of these things are there for, for Israel to... What is it God trying to do? He's trying to make it to where Israel can be righteous or right with Him. And he's saying, if you'll, if you'll bring the sacrifice that I tell you, I'll take the penalty of your sin and I'll roll it forward another year. And so it's kind of like interest payments. Here we are. We, 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 we sinned and now we owe something because we're sinned. We fell short of the glory of God. Now we owe something. And so God says, here's your bill. But if you will make an interest payment of $39.99, then We'll roll the rest of the payment forward. And so they, they make their interest, their, their interest payment. They'd sacrifice the lamb or the turtle dove or whatever it may be. And for a year, they would be good. And then they get to this next part of the year, uh, the, the, the following year, and they would have to do it again in order to remain in right standing with God. And that was the whole thing of the law is how do you, both the moral law and the sacrificial law, how do you stay in right standing with God? And as long as, if, if they died having made their payment, then they were good. But there was coming a day when a lamb would be slain. And no longer would the sacrifices have to be made. Because one sacrifice would be made for all. The Bible says that there was a lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. That lamb was Jesus Christ. You see, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Not one of us are righteous on our own. Not one of us can live up to the standard on our own. And and having a a moment, a a night, when we intentionally look at the unrighteousness of our lives and, and we become cognizant of it, is, I think, important because we live in a world, because we do not have the sacrificial law, because we do not have a moral law within our culture that is, that is saying this is right and this is wrong, and the predominance of culture is trying to tear down any remaining wall that may exist. Taking that moment and saying we need Jesus because we have failed, we have fallen, we have sinned, And he did something about it. It's vitally important. Even in Christianity, grace has become somewhat easy. Where we say, the idea is, well, you just go ahead and do what you do. And I've heard it said many times, God understands. Here's the problem. He doesn't understand. 
He understands that you are a human and I'm a human. He understands that we're going to fall and we're going to fail. He understands that we cannot live perfect. He does understand those things. But what he does not understand is why we don't apply his sacrifice to our life. Romans 5 and 6 is an interesting passage of Scripture because uh, in, in Romans 5, he's celebrating the, the, the freedom that we have in Christ and he walks us through the entirety of, from Abraham all the way into Jesus, how, how, how salvation came to humanity. And then in, in chapter 6, he begins to, to, to ask some unique questions he, because he, he's, un, he's helping us understand in 5 that, that the grace of God the grace of God is all complete. See, you can refuse the grace of God, but you can't out the grace of God. The grace of God is greater than any sin that you may have. You can deny it. You can say, no, no, I don't need the grace of God. I don't want the grace of God. And that is your privilege. He's given you the free will to make a choice in your life as to whether you will or will not accept his salvation on your behalf. But in Romans chapter number 6, he begins to ask this question regarding this, this odd reality of humanity where he says, he says, so should we just sin more because grace abounds? Because we have a lot of grace and God, we can't out-sin God's grace. Should we just sin more? How about we just sin and add a little grace to it? It's like, I want to eat my cake as long as, and I'm just going to carry my insulin with me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do what I want to do and, and God's going to understand it and God's going to be okay with it. And it's going to be all right. No, no, sin is sin. Wrong is still wrong. And sin is simply the failure to uphold God's righteousness. So whatever I do, it, it doesn't have to be a, a what we would consider the big sins. We get all wrapped up in the church. I can remember growing up in, in, in church all my life and and and. and you know, you knew uh, that person came into church and, wow, oh, they committed the big sins. Well, God says more about my judgmental attitude Check this out. If you, if you go throughout uh, Scripture, Jesus never one time condemns anyone who was in moral failure. He finds a way to, to forgive the woman who was caught in adultery. Now, I'm not preaching for adultery right now, okay? Don't get it wrong. Should we sin more because grace abounds? That's, what, that's, it's a, that's the attitude Paul's addressing right there. But he, he says, let's figure out a way to, to, to help this woman in adultery. But you know what he never forgives? He never ever says it's all right let's try to let's work this out here here's what we're going to do about that he never does that with the judgmentalism of the pharisees the pharisees he calls them sons of satan and that's bad (laughs) whited sepulchers full of dead men's bones not good but both the judgmental pharisees and the woman in adultery, and everyone else who's ever done anything had the opportunity to apply the salvation of Christ. So God makes Israel this unique and special people. And then in the New Testament, He opens that up to everybody. 
So he hasn't called you to be live like everybody else. He's called you to live special and holy and unique and separated from the world. When we sin, we're just like everyone. But when we come to him in repentance and we say, God, I am sorry for my sin. I'm asking you to forgive me. Now we're operating as special people called out by his name. Humbling themselves and praying and seeking his face. And the scripture tells us it's then that he hears from heaven. He forgives sin and he heals lands. So tonight, as we, as we think about who we are in Christ, if you are in Christ tonight, you are not your own. You're bought with a, cri- a price and you have the ability to live outside of sin. You don't have to sin anymore. But when you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. You have blood that was shed for you that, that handles the sin that's ever been sinned in the past that has, is being sinned right now in the present. Some of you are sinning right now in your minds. I'm sorry. <laughs> but God forgives that too. I've done some serious sinning in church. And I thank God that He has grace enough to cover it. And it covers every sin that's ever will be sinned. His grace is all complete. We have some papers in the back. And in a minute we're going to pass them out so if they can get ready for that. But it kind of works like this. We're walking through life and as we do, sin is in our life. Sometimes we pick it up like we pick up lint. It's just everywhere. Dust. Dust or lust. Either one. Um, pride. All of it. Greed. Sin of all kinds. Sin of all kinds. Sin of all kinds. Sin of all kinds. Kind. It, just, it just gets all over us. And as good as we try to be, we can't be good enough to not sin. And so he tells us in Romans chapter 6, he says, listen, tell you what, if you want to identify with Christ and just, just handle this, he said you can identify with him in his death, his burial, and resurrection. And how do we do that? We do that by applying that in our life by faith. That's what we do when we accept Christ as our Lord and our Savior. We apply His life, His uh, death, His burial and resurrection to our lives. And then He tells us that we have the opportunity to live beyond sin just as Jesus lived beyond sin. Because now we're not ourselves, but we are clothed in his righteousness. He said, the scripture tells us that Jesus took on our sin and we took on his righteousness. So as we take on his righteousness, 
We can't have the sin. Well, what, what happened in, in, in his death, his burial, and his resurrection? He took on all the sin of mankind. That means yours and mine. He took on all of our sin at the same time on the cross, and then he paid the penalty for it. And then after that, he went to the grave, and he buried our sins in the grave. When Jesus went into the grave, he went in carrying sin. His blood had paid the penalty in the, and, and for it, but it was now in his life. But as he sits in the grave for three days, sin is removed from his life. And when Jesus got up from the grave, he wasn't carrying your sin anymore, nor was he carrying mine. He was operating in complete authority over sin. When you identify with him in your, in death, in burial, in resurrection, we're no longer covered in sin. We identify him with his death in, in our repentance. We identify him with burial in our baptism. We identify with him in resurrection, in newness of life as the Holy Spirit moves in our lives in salvation. And suddenly we walk pure before him. They're going to pass out these papers. And every one of these papers... The paper and, and take a paper and a pencil. And I want to encourage you as the musicians come and begin to play this next song. I want to encourage you to just ponder your life for a moment. Let me have one of those papers. You have to get it for me. My hands are wet. Thank you. Ponder, ponder your life. And on that paper, write Write the things down. Write some things down that you say, listen, I just really need God to cover in my life this year. Maybe you're having an issue of pride. You've done well. You know you've done well. Not, temptation isn't sin. I want to be careful to say that. Temptation's not sin. Falling to temptation is sin. So maybe you got maybe you got issues in your world that you're trying to deal with and, and get victory over. If you've identified with Him... Then, then you have the victory. It's now walking in it. You're going to write those things down. Then I'm going to encourage you to just fold them up. And when you're ready, as they sing this song, when you're ready, no rush, no push, but I'm going to invite you to come and put your papers in these, these baskets on one on either side. Then I'm going to take these and I'm not going to read them. I'm not even going to unfold them. But I am going to drop them in this water. Because what's beautiful is just like what Jesus does with your sin. This is simply going to disappear. It doesn't exist anymore. Lord, you gave us a promise. 
And you've allowed us to live in an authority that we do not deserve, that we did not earn. You made something special out of Israel. And you've made something special out of us. You set them apart. And and us operating outside of sin and not making excuses for our failings and and the things that we've done wrong, but humbly coming to you and saying, God, I need you to handle this in my life. That sets us apart from anyone else. In other religions, in other, in other concepts of God, there's, there's judgment, there's payment, there's a penalty. And in you, you ask us for all of us. You, you, you say, I want you, and, and, and you give us all of you. We're humbled by it. We're grateful for it. And we thank you for it tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.